0: Hey it's Andrew and today on the show we have Adam Darrell, the CEO and founder of Customer Gauge. In today's episode we talked about the importance of Net Promoter Score, or otherwise known as MPS, why it's more than just a metric, and how companies can implement MPS results into their workflow. We also discussed why customer feedback is an impactful growth lever, how to reach out to customers strategically, and how you can make feedback actionable. Adam also shared the one question that he hopes more businesses ask, and his insights on things that worked at Customer Gauge while tackling churn. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow.
1: Yeah, you yeah. need to
0: this is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest-growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth.
1: How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn.
0: You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to to retention and engagement.
1: Completely bootstrap, profitable and growing.
0: Strategies, tactics and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode.
1: Hey Adam, welcome to the show. Andrew, it's great to be on. Thanks for welcoming me on today.
0: It's a pleasure. So for the listeners, uh, Adam is the CEO and founder of Customer Gauge. Customer Gauge is a SaaS solution that allows companies to monetize the use of Net Promoter across their business. And prior to Customer Gauge, Adam was a director of sales at Sony and interim manager of online sales at Philips. So my first question for you, Adam, is what is NPS and why do you believe it is such an important metric to track?
1: That's a great question. What is NPS or Net Promoter system to give it its full name? Well, let me tell you how I got introduced to it, to, to put some perspective on it. So it's a, in 2003, just at the end of 2003, I was working for a large electronics corporation. And uh, one of the things that really occurred to me that they were not doing a very good job of retaining their customers at all. In fact, they were not reaching out to the existing customers. So we hatched a plan to uh, try and understand what they're to get some feedback from them. And at the time, yeah. the only way of doing some stuff was to ask like a 40 page question. You'll be aware of this stuff that people ask, you know, 40 questions. Give me, tell me about your satisfaction on this area of the business. And I read an article in the Harvard Business Review with, uh, written by Fred Reichel that was like, you could do all this oh, stuff with one question. Yeah, and just, you could just do it with one question. Uh, and if you know your customers and you've got some background for the metadata, why ask more? And I was really struck by this. and. Uh, At that time, I was really sold on that. And what I've discovered by using Net Promoter for, goodness me, nearly 16 years now, is that in a way, it's not the score that's important. It's all the metrics around that. It's how many people you're contacting, the reach, how many people are responding, because in a way, that's a better measure of how engaged you are with the customers. And... To be honest, what it's all about is getting better at retaining customers. That's what this is. It's a good forward-looking metric that helps you predict churn. And that's where the money is.
0: Yeah. So I think like there's quite a bit to break down there a little bit. And obviously, I know we had discussed prior to the show. Uh, I have one or two issues which I would like to bring up in a little bit. But I think starting out, I think you mentioned like it's it's not necessarily just about the metric. Like, maybe you want to talk us through that a little bit. And I know you mentioned, like, how many people are actually engaging. And I, I do believe as well that is a very good proxy if people actually responding to you um, when you're asking questions. It's a good indication of engagement. But maybe talk us through a little bit more about that concept.
1: Sure. Look, I mean, when, when people, have, people have been surveying for years, I mean, I've been in marketing for a very long time. We've been doing paper-based surveys and telephone surveys for many years before we're doing the electronic uh, sending it or receiving it and stuff. Um, but typically, it started out with having a sample of customers. You know, you try and get a sample of customers or be representative of your, of your business. And then later, we've seen this with people having pop-ups on their sites or in journey, as they're called, or just emails going out to customers. But I think that, especially in the B2B world, that's completely wrong. I want to turn the telescope around the other way, where you say, okay, let's look at our total revenue base and then, Start with the biggest customers and make sure we're getting customer responses from those. And that's what we really mean by um, reach and coverage. These are the important metrics that we operate with.
0: So it's really like being able to understand and segment uh, the responses across the different demographics that you have on your site or as user base, yeah?
1: Yeah, in simple terms, one of the ways that we do this was to say, how much of your revenue are you getting responses from? And we call that coverage. And it's shocking when we go into customers and we do this. Yeah, we think that you should have at least 80% of your revenue covered by some sort of customer feedback. Yeah. Uh, and, and most customers we go into, they're like, oh man, we don't even know. And then when you work it out for the first time, maybe 20%. So there's, a, there's some big work to be done. And that's really, that's really what we do at Customer Gauge.
0: Is really just trying to make sure they're interacting with customers and collecting that feedback constantly. I definitely see that as an issue as well, is that like, when we're thinking about customer feedback, it's, really, uh, it's not normally focused enough, and it also is, you're not really understanding what the spread is. So sometimes it's easy to get uh, shifted and directed in the wrong direction when you don't really have an even spread or, or good distribution. Uh, so having that underlying view, I think, can be very, very powerful.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. So so the
0: thing as well, I think uh, just to, for the listeners or for people that aren't familiar with the MPS, so like typically MPS is a question, a single question you ask your customers and it normally goes like something along the lines of on a scale of zero to 10, how likely is it that you'd recommend uh, us and either your product or service to a friend or colleague? Uh, And then it's normally followed by like, what is the primary reason for your score? So i mentioned to you is like i personally have uh, uh, sort of an issue with this and it's it's something that actually came about uh while my time working in Hotjar, and uh, one of our um, editors fear uh, brought it up and it's really a semantics question and i think the, the two the two issues i have with it is the first thing is uh, the how likely is it that you would recommend so you're asking a question to people to base, uh, to give you an answer based on a future opinion of forward looking event, which we know like humans are not very, not the best predictors of, uh, future events and not really good at predicting the past. So one would a not better measure be actually to ask him, have you recommended our product or service recently? And then the second part of this in the semantic elements is really, it's like, uh, to a friend or colleague. So, like, I don't know about you, but it's like, I don't know. I don't have many friends that are interested in the same software or the same business line that I am. And at the same time, the same colleagues, they would really need to be in my team. So currently I'm in the business intelligence team at Hotjar. And if I went to my friend, I'm not going to be going and recommending any friend Tableau or Mode anytime soon. Um, uh, neither would I recommend it to any of my other colleagues outside of BI. So, um, what are your thoughts on this? Like, uh, I know you have your own thoughts as well on on the metric, and it's not necessarily about it. So, I'd like to hear like what you think.
1: I, I think they're really good points you bring up, and you're not alone in this. Uh, that, by the way, there's quite a lot of criticism about out there on the Net Promoter Score. It's too simple. People say, "How can you get everything from one from one question?" So, there's definitely uh, uh, some grounds to think about that. But look, I, I'm 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 a simple guy when it comes to this, and. Uh, the, the first thing I like about the Net Promoter Score, for whether it's flawed or not, is I like the fact that it's become a standard. First of all, it's open source, and it's well-documented, and although it's very difficult to benchmark between companies, it's the best thing that we've got out there. So that's the number one thing that I think that um, you can criticize it in the way that you can criticize any metric, but there is some, some validity to it. Absolutely, And then the second point, that, but I, you know, you're absolutely right about the thing about recommending to a colleague. I mean, look, we, we almost operate exclusively in the B2B space, uh, which is not the same, you know, as recommending it to your mother or, yeah. <laughs> or a friend. Um, and in fact, there might be some very good commercial confidentiality reasons why you wouldn't recommend a service to somebody, you know, if you really liked it, and giving you a competitive advantage, why would you do it? yeah uh, similarly we've got some government clients you know or monopolistic clients you can't recommend something to somebody else if you have no choice so you're right there are flaws in the way that you answer this and uh, i i think you made a suggestion isn't it you'd recommend it to somebody like me actually yeah. it's a really good idea i, I like that yeah um and there's one other thing I, I, that i like about this and, and in that sense i don't think and this is, might be heresy so I've got to be careful about saying this. But in a way, I don't think it matters what metric you use. You could use customer satisfaction or CES or NPS or a made-up metric as long as you are consistent and you just keep doing it. You don't change. Because I think there's something about seeing the symbolism of a, of a Likert scale. That's the technical name for a 0 to 10 or 0 to 5 or something like that. Uh, and, and as long as people see that, they don't even read the words. They just go, oh, I understand what I've got to do. I've got to rate this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think it's like that's the reflex that we build into people. Um, to be honest, I think it's less about what you ask people. What and the question is, I think it's more what you do with it afterwards. Uh, and yeah. that, you know, that's a whole topic I'd love to dig into if we get the time. About when you give feedback to a company, what do they do with it?
0: Yeah. And uh, I think that makes total sense as well. So uh, it, it's definitely like, I do see the value as well. And, and I'm not totally sort of like beating up NPS because I do see <laughs> it is, it is a valuable metric. It has become a really good, strong industry standard. Uh, I, it's just some things I feel there obviously there's areas for improvement, like in any uh, sort of thing. So um, let's, uh, let's take it for a minute that I, I really do see it as a valuable metric and there is value in it. So going forward, like, what are some of the things that you're seeing companies uh, and how are they using this metric effectively? So I think like for us, I've seen like following the trends and just seeing like how you're trending over time is a really powerful, uh, like view, but what are some of the interesting ways you've seen companies use MPS and use the the feedback that comes as a result of it uh, within their workflow?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, um, you, you pointed out the most obvious one, which is to keep a trend, you know, uh, so I think Peter Drucker said, if you can't if you can't measure it, you can't um, you can't improve. So the first thing to do is to try to get a baseline of how your satisfaction is, and that, that getting customer feedback and reading the comments first of all is a very powerful weapon. But also, it's, it can be a bit scary because you're asking people for deep feedback, and to be honest, a lot of people in businesses are resistant to that. You don't want to change. You don't want to hear the bad news. So those are the first two things you get. You establish a baseline score, and at the you just try to understand what your customers are saying about you. And then you wanna organize that on a very regular cadence. We recommend that you do it quarterly with your biggest clients. So you keep measuring the relationship with, with, with the clients. Is that making sense? Yeah. Um, and so that's the one, that's one thing, it's about getting the metrics back. And there's a ton of useful stuff that comes out of that, which is like, what is the response rate, as I said, and what's the coverage and reach? How many people are you reaching in your largest accounts? Uh, and those are really good metrics, even without looking at the NPS score or, you know, as I said, substituting the question. Yeah. But then I think the next thing is, is that, so that's the first level of maturity that we have, which is it's like the measure stage. Everyone can do that. But then the next stage, which we call ACT, well, this is a step of corporate courage. So this requires people in the organization to actually do something about the customer feedback in a structured way. So, for example, it was negative feedback... You know, have a process where you can get back to your client in a timely manner. Um, and we recommend setting up a service level agreement of say forty eight hours to do that as a maximum. And and, and get back to them and say, Look, we're really sorry about this, what we'd like to help. Yeah. And you'd be really amazed, Andrew, about the, the about how few companies do that. We we think out of our client base when we first started coming into this, only twenty percent are doing it, and we maximize that over time to about eighty percent. So this is yeah. the first step that you do just to just getting back to
0: people. I think that's a very good point. I think it's like with feedback in general, uh, I think it's often thought of as sort of like a one-way discussion. Uh, it's almost like I'm asking you for something, I'm expecting a response, but don't expect a response back from me uh, sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> Where, if anything, it's like a support channel uh, because if somebody's giving you feedback, uh, it's an opportunity then for you to engage, to build that relationship and to make sure that you're supporting your customers back. So I think that's an excellent point you make.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but my mother always told me to be polite and say thank you for things. And you know, I believe it's really important at a base level. If you get some feedback from a client, you should say thank you. I mean, and effectively, yeah. they're acting as a free consultant; they're spending some time on this. And if you think about, it, Andrew, remember, was the last time somebody actually said to you, "Thanks for your feedback." Can you remember it?
0: Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> it's, it's you know. It's, are, it's, are you? Are you? From and when the somebody UK comes back, transfer. you
0: go. I forgot to ask you this: Are you from the UK? <laughs> Because it's definitely I'm originally from the UK. From UK. Have a, have a good way with their manners. <laughs> Please say thank you. For <laughs> well,
1: okay, I just think it's I just think it's polite to say thank you for this. So maybe I'm old-fashioned in that. No, absolutely, I'm not expecting people to write, you know, to, to hand write thank you notes. But just for example, you. Uh, so if we say uh, one of the first steps you can do into this is to say uh, once a month. Summarise the feedback you got from all of your clients and send a note out to everybody, whether they answered or not, to say, "Hey, this is what we learned from yeah. our customer base this month." I mean, it's so simple, right? But can you ever remember getting that? It's it's almost impossible. To the extent that, also, we know that if if you if if you fill in a survey, and then somebody comes back to you within two hours to say, "Hey, man, that's thanks for the feedback. We're going to have a look at that," you'd fall off your chair. I mean, it's like that's what I call dinner party conversation, isn't it? Yeah. so it's, it's 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 if companies can do the next stage which is what we call the act um acting on the stuff they can have an immediate competitive advantage and we've got stats that back this up this can double their growth um uh, by doing this and, and really start to reduce churn this is the first thing that companies can do to really uh just do it and it's just simple just saying thank you or listening Sorry.
0: Yeah, I think like we're actually in a lucky position at Hotjar. We have uh, one of our directors of uh, customer experience actually does a monthly summary for us of our uh, MPS results. And it's always a really good report that I look forward to because uh, it's one of those things uh, which is like super rich in customer feedback. And just uh, it's interesting seeing not only the trends of like your MPS score, but the different topics and how they're trending in terms of feedback. So sort of classifying the types of feedback are coming in and then being able to see, okay, like uh, this week, like we have an NPS, the detractors are really coming from bugs. Uh, and then like, as you get more and more into it, you can actually start tying it back to actually events or in, into actions that have happened within the company or within the product. So, uh,
1: Congratulations, Andrew. That, that's really good. So I'm going to challenge you on something because I think it's yes. quite good that we do it to each other and say, why aren't you sharing that with your clients? I mean, that I mean, seems like an ideal thing. You should send it externally. But, but there's like, this takes corporate courage to do. Uh, you know, not everybody's ready to do that. But I'm telling you, the more transparent you are, the companies that are transparent are the ones that will really succeed, I believe.
0: No, I actually, I love that idea and I'm definitely going to pass it on to the team. because uh, okay. it, it is an interesting, because I mean, it's not something we're always actively working on. We're always actively trying to improve. I think we do maybe it from times mentioned in blog posts here and there, uh, but actually sharing that report, I think have, so at least it's super interesting for us all internally. I'm sure maybe some of our customers would find it too.
1: Well, what I'd like to do, if I can just segue into the next stage. So we said we companies start with measuring and then they do act. And the third stage that we see is when they start to grow with it. So they become more confident about, okay, we're getting customer feedback. Let's really, and we started to correct the biggest faults. We understand what goes on here. Then they start to use the feedback for growth. Now you'll know what this is. is when you start getting tens from customers, this is what's quite good about net promoter is you can talk about people having a nine or a 10 and they're promoters. They're likely to tell other people about your business. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the theory, and uh, and so you can then reach out to the people that give you a ten and say, hey, thank you so much for that. What can what are the tools I can give you to go off and promote my business? Um, yeah. uh, I, I remember reading something a book a from a great guy called Guy Kawasaki from about uh, ten, ten years ago about how to really monetize your promoters, and and uh, uh, it, it's a really simple thing. You just give people literature or invite them to co co-create with you. These become your best, uh, one of your best marketing channels, and it's to be honest, it's a very low-cost channel if you get it right. So this is the phase that we see customers doing, and uh, to give you an example, um, when you get to this stage, you see B two B companies then start to embrace the concept of reviews, um, which kind of answers the thing we were talking about before about saying giving customers feedback of what people say. So, for example, on the Customer Gauge site, you can add to the bottom. We proudly display our Net Promoter Score and recent comments from clients, which is done on. All- automatically we don't have to worry about it but this is yeah. about i believe about being transparent so somebody wants to know are we a good partner to work with now well, they, they can go to g2 crowd or uh, some of the other sites or they can come to our website and actually look and see what our, what our customers are and some of the even some of the public comments can be biting but they're always constructive and uh, that's Absolutely. how i believe that com- companies should be operating in the in these years
0: yeah. And to your point as well, around the growth side and around like having promoters, that's actually something that we interviewed Vinay from Trust Radius, uh, the CEO there. You yeah. recommended actually, I think it, it might not have been specifically MPS, but when you're getting really good promoters and your people loving your products and you're getting collecting that feedback, it's an excellent opportunity to ask them to actually leave a review. Um, so in terms of growth, it's not only about promoting you, but there's also channels where they can go out and let other people know how happy they are with your service. Cause I totally agree with you. Like this trust and transparency is only becoming more and more important and uh, people are having less and less trust with software companies, but, uh, they would trust a review on a review site or a recommendation from a friend to make a decision. So,
1: yeah. I I, I mean, I really believe this is uh, – I think this is a really good area to educate companies on. I mean, Andrew, this is something – I I love listening to Churn FM because it's all about helping companies hold on to clients, you know, and helping them improve retention. And, you know, this is – it's an underserved science. We can really do a lot of education. I think you're doing a great job in this. So, and in our world, we believe that what we do with Net Promoter really is is one of the weapons that you can use in in the fight against churn. Um, in fact, we call this whole approach in B2B um, customer experience, we call it account experience because it, it's more complex than than dealing with um, B2C customers. You know, you've know, you got multiple stakeholders in each company. You've got some million-dollar deals that you need to deal with. Um, and there's very little science behind it. But this is really yeah. what I love to talk about with Customer Gauge, about how we can help companies really monetize the, their, their customer base to... To, to grow rather than yeah. just having to acquire new customers.
0: Absolutely. It is. It's definitely like virgin territory at the moment and uh, sort of everybody out there trying to figure their way around it. So I've really, like, through this process of GenFM, I've learned a ton from so many different people, and it feels like there's a lot of great information living inside of people's heads, just like yourself. Uh, so the more we can uncover this, the better. Uh, the, the next thing I want to ask you a little bit about, so you touched it on briefly of, like, when you should be um, surveying customers and when's the right time and you mentioned quarterly but uh, is there any other tips that you would not like talk about in terms of timing like is there a really good time for the first uh, time you would seek sort of an mps response or uh, like how do you typically advise customers
1: yeah i, I mean i believe the most important uh, area is in the the post-purchase space you know it's when somebody becomes a customer you've got you, you should reach out to them on a regular basis i recommend quarterly um, because it's a nice cadence. Most companies do like a quarterly business review. And if you survey before the business review, you've, well, you've got some great stuff to talk about. You can say, hey, here's what you, here's what you think of your investment in my company. I mean, what's, what's a better way of starting a conversation than that? Yeah. Um, so that's, so we call this relationship net promoter. Um, then there's some other touch points. You, you, know, you, you touched on this yourself, like uh, support tickets. That's a very obvious one. How do, we, how do we perform in the support ticket? That's more in the transactional level, but it, it can really help. Yeah. Um, you know you're in the software business as well so I'm pretty sure you want to know what your users are interacting with well maybe net Promoter's is not the best tool for that but you'd want to find out how how they're using a particular feature and so you'll probably using pop-up some stage to do this So yeah. that's another useful thing uh, I also like other ways of doing it we on our side we integrate um, our sales team so that when we do a demo or when we have an opportunity, we also serve our customers, um, which we actually get surprisingly great information from. And another thing we do, we do what we call win loss. So, you know, we don't win every deal, and if we if, if if we lose it in Salesforce, it flips over, and we go out and automate, go go to the client, sorry, the prospect, and say, how was it? And often we get a detailed response, like you know, you, you didn't fit the bill, or we're not ready to do this stuff. I think that's a really underused part that, that companies are not doing. So easy to do, and um, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same with offboarding. You can learn a lot from when you offboard a client if, if you do that as well as you can on onboarding. Yeah. Um so mul- having a few multiple touch points is great. Most clients that we ca- most prospects we come into are doing bits of this, but they're using multiple multiple systems. And so that's one of the things I really like to do. Customer gauge ties those things together to you know, to to bring in pop ups or other disparate surveys to to, to present platform. to the customer. Yeah, to to, to give that tool to customer facing people. So
0: and then, so you mentioned earlier as well, uh, like it's a Likert scale and it's not necessarily NPS. So, uh, do you do other things within the platform, like CSAT, CES, or the customer effort scores? Uh, is that something that's possible?
1: So. Yeah, we do that. I mean, I mean, you know, so uh, CSAT and CES. I mean, we've seen a bit more, a few more customers using um, CES, uh, customer effort score, uh, which is basically, uh, you know, how how what, how do you rate this? I got to be honest. I think that you can bend the NPS scale into to to doing this stuff and as you say it might not be perfect but the point is is that you're consistent across the patch so any other thing you can use it for you know a lot of people also have started to use this for employees as well um so you know would you recommend this company to another to to a friend or a colleague to work for the point about that what i like about it is is if you educate people up and down the company about what a detractor is and, and a promoter that's just a really powerful tool and i i think that's always better than CSAT or ces but you know I don't have yeah. a monopoly on truth on this, so people can use whatever they want.
0: For <laughs> well, sure. So uh, we've gone through three different stages now that when, with customers that you're working with in terms of the MPS and how they use it. It's all about implementing, getting started with it, then being able to segment and look, take a deep dive and then actually using it for growth and acting on the feedback. Uh, so, so yourself internally, like we talked a little bit about earlier as well in terms of feedback itself, like uh, really making it actionable. What are some tips that you see companies do well uh, and be able to make feedback actionable?
1: Ah, That's a really good good question. Well, you you, you want to try and get some themes out of the feedback. Um, And there are a few techniques of doing this. But basically by bucketizing issues that customers have, you can um, distribute that around the relevant people in the company. Uh, you can you, well, there's a couple of ways of doing it you can either think of it as issues in the customer journey but the way i recommend my clients do it is to put the issues at the floor of the vps that run that particular part of the business you know like uh, uh, admin or operations or support make them responsible for those issues and get them to fix it and if you can turn that into like a sort of proxy net promoter score for their business that that's really important and we started to overlay the revenue of clients on there as well so you get not just the net promoter score but also the value of that issue and that's quite an eye-opener because people can get really distracted by a low score but it might not necessarily impact that much business or alternatively a massive amount of business might be impacted by just a few comments and so you you, my, my tip is to really make sure that you've got the revenue streams in it as well that for me is the game changer once we started to get revenue we call that monetized net promoter that's the thing that moves the needle because that's how you get the attention of the c-suite and your sales team when there's money at stake so that's 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 how i think it's a success success to this if if anyone's out there running a net promoter program that is my first tip for success make sure that you you've got the money on it and you're covering covering revenue because that's how you get success to change things
0: Absolutely. Like not all feedback is equal. Um, that's right. So definitely. And I I think this lesson applies to not just uh, feedback itself, but everything that you do in general. So like in product prioritization, it's really easy to make a product decision based on the number of requests coming in or the number of uh, users. But really when you actually put a monetary value to it and you see like what the makeup is of uh, your audience, like that's where the power comes in in terms of really being able to prioritize and make changes Uh, Is actually seeing what the bottom line impact is not just who's got the loudest voice or who we're hearing.
1: from Oh, I I, I hear what you're saying. That's that's so true. Yeah
0: Cool, so I want to throw into hypothetical scenario now. I do this to everyone that joins the show Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's pretend uh, you you get a new job uh, At a company and you arrive and churn retention is not looking great. Uh, you've been tasked now to help turn things around and you've got three months to trying uh, like get some results for the company what would be some of the first things you do in your time at this company
1: oh that's a good that's a really good question you throw that to, if you throw that to everybody that's a really good curveball well i think if you had 90 days to make a difference if i were going in there i'd want to make sure i'd, I'd want to look at which accounts were at risk we're talking b2b right so I'd, I'd be looking at uh, which of my clients, to be completely honest, not even from the Net Promoter side. I'd want to know how many contacts I had in each client. And we've got, I've got a rule of thumb, which is like for a million dollar account, you'd have about nine good contacts, uh, 100,000, about six contacts and so on. Um, and I'd want to make sure that well, I was really having good dialogue with, all of those, with the number of contacts in each business. Because without that, you've really got a risk of churn, I think. Um, you know the concept of single point of contact. Yeah, box. So that's the first thing, and then I'd start by just getting some feedback from people. Like, again, I'd start by looking at the old eighty twenty rule. You know, it's like I want to, I want to get, I want to get responses from my my biggest accounts, and I would take it slowly. I wouldn't go across the patch. I would do it account by account, get some feedback, deal with it, understand the lessons, try and make some quick wins. Um, and by that, you know, just, just, just getting back to, to the clients. There's time for bigger learnings and accuracy later on. But, if, but my first 30 days, if I was able to rescue a couple of accounts and maybe unearth a few upsell opportunities, I'd be pretty pleased with that. You know, I'd be, I'd be proud to get a good ROI on whatever I was doing um, right out of the gate.
0: Absolutely, and in terms of like the relationships, uh, the single point of contact being an issue, like what are some of the things that you've seen work successfully? How would you go about expanding the relationships within an organization? What do the typical process look like there for you?
1: Ah, uh, uh, that's a good point. Well, I, I'd probably I'd, I would leave that to my um, customer success colleagues or account managers because these guys are expert at it. But I think that you've got to find ways. You've got to you got to find the value in your product to 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 reach out to other people in the business. But for example, in Customer Gauge, we think it's really important that not only the operational people use it, but we think it's important that uh, the C-suite can see the results of the readouts, you know, Net Promoter Score and the, and the responses, and maybe even beyond that, there are stakeholders like the board or your you know your shareholders that can also use this. We we, we really see this as a growing area. So it's about being able to make sure that uh, in our business we can reach out to people at multiple levels and we sort of categorize this you know a b and c for for want of clarity a is the, you know the people at the top of the business b are the senior managers and c are the frontline people so you need to have a yeah. good spread of those and, and uh, ways of doing it i don't know you i mean andrew you're also a pretty good product expert it's about making sure that you can break through the silos and, and deliver that value yeah um for sure. uh, and, and, uh, but remind people about why they bought your product in the first place. this is hypothetical, right, so
0: yeah
1: ways of skinning that cat but. for sure
0: so next question I have for you uh, you can take it as broad or focused as you like in terms of uh, it can either be broad or really focused towards general attention, but what is one thing that people don't ask or are not talking about that you wish they would ask or talk more about?
1: i wish people thought more about how much revenue is covered by their customer feedback i think that's the one thing that people ignore and i think that's the thing that changes the gaming companies does that mean is that is that, is that something you're after for, for yeah. internal no
0: no that's excellent Yeah,
1: and i think that it doesn't matter you know and, and for me i just think that as long as you keep asking customers regularly and NPS is good 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 for this you keep doing a consistency you get a score baseline, and you act on it. That, that's the secret to growth.
0: Absolutely. Very nice. I like that a bit. Uh, so is there anything that you have done uh, interesting at Customer Gauge uh, when it comes to trying to tackle churn and retention that you're particularly proud of or you think has been interesting uh, to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, I think we, uh, I think we, we, we developed this concept of, Um, a SWOT analysis you know you know SWOT strength weaknesses and opportunities and threats and it basically it draws up a nice chart with uh, the net promoter score on the uh, x-axis and on the y-axis revenue or or growth if you're able to get those and and you can easily then see okay the top right hand corner are the customers that are uh, really important to us and they like us a lot so we can grow these Uh, but the top left well, these are the ones that are, are very important to us but are giving us bad scores. So we better work on those. We better try rescuing those. And then there are a couple of other corners. Bottom right is the one which is uh, uh, they love you, but they're not spending very much. Well, that's a great growth opportunity. And then bottom left, maybe this is the one that's most ignored, clients that are not spending very much with you and they don't like you well you know you should sack them probably <laughs> so yeah that's i like the clarity of doing that you know any four box technique i think is really good yeah, way of yeah. doing. and, that, and that's, that's one of the things i'm particularly proud of and that works really well the sas companies are very good at understanding that that's one of the things we we, we, we really like to, to do and you know it's tedious to draw up in excel so that's why we do it in real time that, and that's really the key to what we do
0: yeah, I love that. It's, uh, it's a really interesting way as well to break down the data and to have another view as well to sort of really understand and uh, even taking the promoter score feedback to another level. Um, so it's super interesting. Cool. So I think we're running up uh, close on time here as well, Adam. Like, is there anything uh, you want to leave us with, uh, like any other last bits of information? How can the audience keep up to date with you? Like what, what they should be looking out for?
1: Well, I want to leave. I want to leave with a small anecdote, if that's okay. Because I think there's yeah. a company that we work with, which I think even they taught us some things. But also, I love the way that they go about this. And this is a global logistics company, and they. So it's very important their relationships with businesses. They've got very high-value business relationships. They turn the whole customer feedback thing into a process. It's almost like a manufacturing process, very much like the whole logistics process. You, know, you really have to be very fine tolerances and timings. So they turn their feedback process into that. Uh, so they are root, ruthlessly surveying the customers every quarter. They're making sure that they've got enough contacts in each of their clients. And by the way, the very process of knowing that they're going to have to survey them drives that. That the yeah. salespeople are actually incented on the number of contacts they have and the response, rather than the score, which is a beautiful way of turning it around. Anyway, when the results come out, the CEO of the company uh, every month dials a few of the customers, and that 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 act it just shows so much, so many good things in my, in my eyes. That first of all, the CEO is engaged; he's prepared to reach out to the customers directly imagine the surprise for example if you get a call from the ceo of a big company one of your clients say hey listen we're taking your feedback really seriously or, or saying thank you very much for being a customer i really like your comment that's a yeah. very powerful thing
0: it's but welcome. it also
1: has this electrifying effect yeah but it also has this electrifying effect of making the whole company go oh, okay, we we really get this. This is really taken seriously. Yeah. I must do it too. And so they've really driven a, some great process in this. And now, now they're actually assessing future opportunities based on previous customer scores. So they're really dry, using it to drive growth. I think that's a really great uh, case study there. Uh, you It know, just shows that if you're, if your top management is behind this, that really shows a, a great a great way of going ahead. So that, that's my tip. And any client that does that, that would be really good. And by the way, if you want to learn about this stuff, we love talking about this stuff. We publish books about this account management. We've got videos. They're all on the Customer Gauge site. So if anyone wants to learn some more, there's plenty of free downloads that they can learn about this stuff. And we love we love talking and teaching about this.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point as well. Like if you want to create a culture over this, it really needs to come from the top down and uh, oh, yeah. excited to dive into some of the, the material that you do have on your site. So thanks very much, Adam. It's been great having you on the show today. I really appreciate your time and uh, wish you best of luck going forward.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. And to all your listeners, I really appreciate it being on today.
0: Thanks.